Today we're talking about, we're still walking through Matthew chapter 5, and I've entitled this series Heart Attack. We're going to carry over a little bit from last week, but we've walked through this. The first week we talked about how anger in the heart is murder. So we need to be mindful of our hearts. Jesus attacks our heart. Unlike the Old Testament, much of the Old Testament was about the actions. Jesus is about the heart. And then, last week we talked about how lust in the heart It's like you've already committed adultery with an individual already. And the seventh commandment talks about adultery. You shall not commit adultery. And today, we're moving on into Matthew chapter 5, looking at two little verses, verses 31 and 32. And Jesus says there in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 31, he says, Furthermore, it has been said, tying it back, to the previous message that I was speaking about. But Jesus says, Furthermore, it has been said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now as we start today, he starts off with the word furthermore. So this ties over. Much of our divorces today stem from the fact that there is lust in the heart. And from lust in the heart becomes adultery of the heart and mind. And that comes from all different types of things. People get emotionally tied to someone. You've probably heard of emotional divorce or emotional um, infidelity. Uh, Things of that nature where you're giving your emotions away to someone, whether you realize it or not, sometimes people will do that, which leads to the physical act of adultery. Wives are going to work, or wives are getting on Facebook. Men are going to work. Men are getting on Facebook. They're saying these things, and they're pouring their hearts out. Things they should be saying to their spouses, and they're letting other people know that do not need to know. That do not need to know. They're already committing a form of adultery already. And I want to tell you that the scripture today tells us of primarily the only reason why someone should get a divorce. And that's sexual immorality. Now, today's culture, it's it's much different. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. I say it's much different. Uh, I would say there's one other thing also, and that would be abuse. I think physical abuse, both of these things require you, and I would encourage you, to, re- to get uh, care. Go to a counselor, whether it be for sexual immorality or for mental, verbal abuse, physical abuse. Go to a counselor first. Make the effort to reconcile the relationship. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment. I'm getting a little too deep already before I even get started. I ain't even done my introduction yet. But I'll tell you this that I have looked it up this week, and, and some of the primary contributors to divorce the 10 reasons why divorce happens in our culture today number one on this list is a lack of communication this is one of the major reasons why divorce happens distance is created quickly if you don't share your feelings don't tell your partner what's happening and keep your feelings to yourself a successful relationship constantly keeps the lines of communication open so Number one on this list is a lack of communication. Number two is finances. Money talks, 
and can make your life better or in some cases worse than they were. If money becomes a consistent topic of disagreement, the road to divorce is almost certain. Feeling constrained, number three. You may feel your marriage is holding you back from achieving goals and taking opportunities. If your partner can't support you, then they don't support the marriage. People get that thought in their mind. Number four, trust. Do you really trust your spouse? Trust is one of the leading factors in having a successful relationship in marriage. Your marriage is unlikely to survive if you don't trust your spouse. Trust would be trusting them with the communication of your feelings. Trust would be saying, let's have a joint account, not separate accounts, because you trust them to spend the money wisely, the best way for the family. But people come in, they say, I'm going to have my account, you can have your account, and there's not really a trust. If you do that, that's your choice, but I think that is, that is early stages of, basically, you're setting a prenup already. What's yours is yours, and what's mine is mine. I'll spend my money how I feel like it. You spend your money how you feel like it. It's a dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. You're already setting division within the marriage. Number five, expectations for each other. When expectations aren't met, it can put a strain on the relationship. This leads to a personality conflict because one or the other spouse won't bend to sacrifice their time to comfort. Let me tell you something. Your spouse is not your savior. People say, oh, they complete me. Oh, Bad statement. You've watched too many movies. No male or female will ever complete you. The only person that completes you is Jesus Christ. If you're going to rely on a failed, sinful human being to complete you, you're going to have gaps because they've already got them in them. <laughs> they got holes in them. I got holes in me. I don't, I don't complete Julie. Julie don't complete me. But with Christ, he fills the gaps of all the lack of holiness, the lack of righteousness. When us three are bound together, we're bound together. But apart, there's going to be gaps. There's going to be gaps in communication, gaps in how we see money, how we see raising our kids, these type things. But Christ brings us together because the grace that we need for one another is fulfilled, is full in Christ. And we need Christ in our marriages. The expectations of one another. Number six, your spouse doesn't understand or fulfill your needs and desires. It's common knowledge that we all have different needs and wants. A partner who won't acknowledge your interests and desires won't go the distance to fulfill your needs and wants. Now, I'm not trying to give you grounds for a divorce. I'm trying to tell you the things that have been grounds for people's divorce. Don't sit there and go, well, they're doing that right now. You know? <laughs> You know what I mean? That's our temptation, right? The devil wants you right now to be thinking through, well, he does that or she does that. Well, if, if you're thinking that, think, God, give me grace to how to deal with that. You know? We, we want so quickly to nitpick our partner or other people apart before we even really begin to evaluate our own selves. Number seven, a quick change in lifestyle. Couples that can't compromise and meet in the middle are unable to adapt to new changes and be together in harmony. A quick change in lifestyle. You know, it might be that you have to change jobs and you might have to move. I've told some folks, sometimes I said this in a sermon, sometimes to leave and cleave means you need to get away from mom and daddy. And you might need a quick change in lifestyle. And sometimes that makes it difficult, but sometimes it makes you a better bonded couple. Because, I mean, and listen, I'm not trying to tell you to leave mom and daddy and forsake them. I'm just telling you this. You do need to leave and cleave. And, and bind yourself 
to one another. Insecurity. Number eight, jealousy and insecurity can lead to fights. And questioning each other's intentions can, be put, can put a dent in the trust in your relationship moving forward. Insecurity. Number nine, religious and cultural differences. Religious beliefs and cultural values can cause conflict, which affects the way you live your life and raise your children. If you aren't committed to adapting and practicing these values, this can be an ultimate deer breaker. Scripture tells us, um, oh, I had it in my mind just a moment ago. Uh, do not be unequally yoked. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. Brother Donald knew it. But my mind went blank. All of a sudden, I've quoted this many times. Many people want to say, well, that's that. And, and back when um, there was so much racial issues, you know, uh, and people would say, this means you shouldn't marry somebody outside your race. Incorrect. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of cultural differences there that might make it challenging. But that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is your faith. Your faith do not be unequally yoked. An unbeliever should not marry a believer. That's what it's talking about. Not this point, but the Bible, what it's talking about. You want challenges in your marriage? Start off dynamically different. And think you're going to meet in the middle after a ring's got put on the finger? It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. That's wishful thinking. (laughs) You, You need to be thinking about the future. Not the moment. That's the reason why so many people get married in lust and not in love. And it falls apart. Because they're not really thinking about, can I love this person to the end of our days? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I was a kid when I got married. I had no clue. I just knew I loved Julie. You know what I mean? She married a kid. We've grown up together, literally. I am grateful for my wife that she showed a lot of patience to me. But this... This, there's a lot of differences as far as religious and cultural differences. And, and, you know, you can work through the being young, but there's some things that you might not be able to work through. So you need to make sure that you stand on the same. And, and then abuse, number 10. Lastly, if you've been in a situation where your partner has been abusive or controlling in any manner, discuss this rationally with your spouse. If need be, contact a trusted friend, family member, a pastor, or if it needs to, an attorney about this matter. We, we, we've got to be mindful. These are 10 reasons why divorces happen in our world today. And you probably know somebody. I, I would argue to say that everybody in this room knows somebody who has dealt with divorce. And it is, it is a terrible thing to deal with. It's a terrible thing to deal with. Nobody wants it. Nobody goes into a marriage. I, and this is what I wrote at the top of that sheet. The number one A-plus reason many people divorce is that divorce is an option prior to the vows and in the mind, even on the honeymoon. That's not always the case, but many a times it's there. But I want to tell you, if you will commit yourself to the Lord and not be unequally yoked, you're going to find yourself a lot more able to show grace because God's in that relationship. God's in that relationship. And what you and her cannot bind together, God can. God can through grace. God can through mercy. And he can show you this. You know, marriage is not easy. Marriage is not easy. It takes a lot of give and take, a lot of grace, a lot of mercy, a lot of compromise. It's difficult. Let's just be honest, right? 
But many times there's a blessing. It's, there's times when it's smooth. It's beautiful. Marriage is beautiful. When we allow God to be the motive of our heart of why we're marrying this individual. But so many times people don't get married because Christ has led them to this individual. They get married because of alternate reasons. We've got to make sure that we're coming together for the love of Christ and for the love of the individual. And Christ is the bonding agent that holds that marriage together. Not my power or her power or whatever it may be because we're weak, we're frail, we're human beings, we're going to sin, we're going to say things we shouldn't in a time when we shouldn't say it. Anybody ever done that? I'm a man. If you're a man, you probably need to raise your hand. You said something at a time you probably should not have said it. You wished you could take that back. And I've said this several times. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true, especially when a husband says something to a wife or a wife says something to a husband. It's, it's, I hate to say it, but it's always in the back of that mind. You can forgive, but it's hard to forget. Yeah. You can forgive. Marriages can move past things like that. You can forgive, but it's hard to forget. And if you've got somebody who is a... Uh, who's a grave digger in your family, who likes to go back and dig up old dead things and bring them back up again, <laughs> that's a terrible relationship to be in. That's a terrible relationship to be in. Now, to get to the Scriptures. Divorce is real. It's happened in the Old Testament. It happens in the New Testament. Nowhere in any of it does God desire it. Nowhere in any of it does God desire it. God meant for one man to be with one woman when they commit themselves into a covenantal marriage bond. He meant that to be for death do us part. God walked the first bride down the aisle to Adam, and her name was Eve, and bound them together. And what man has put together, let what God has put together, let no man tear asunder. But as I said, the first word in this passage of scripture we're looking at today is furthermore, it has been said. Furthermore. One of the leading problems <clears throat> in marriages is lust. And lust leads to adultery, whether it be in the heart or participated with through the physical act. It's, a, it's popularized, it's glamorized, the bachelorette in paradise. All these different things. I saw something the other night, I thought, how disgusting. There's a group of guys on this beach. I don't even know. I think that might even be this show. It was a commercial. And they're taking away these women that they're with, and they're bringing in five new women they ain't even know. And they're trying to stay devoted to the five that left. And it ain't even their spouses. It's people they stuck them on the beach in the first place with. Listen, our culture is putting this stuff in front of people's faces all the time. Lust. To lead to adultery which will lead an individual who is married to a divorce. The culture wants broken families. The culture does not want a husband and a wife that loves the Lord and raises their kids in the admonition of the Lord, who trains them up in the way of the Lord, so that in the end they will not depart from it. That's not a promise, but I'm telling you this, it's a good place to start. <laughs> you train them up. Now, I'm not preaching on how to raise our kids, but I'm going to stick here for just a minute. You train them up. You raise cattle. You train kids. You raise cattle. You train kids. Kids learn from what they observe. How you speak 
How you act, how you react is what your kids see. And what they see is how they define Christianity if you claim Christ is your Lord and Savior. That's how they get their definitions. They get their definitions not just from a school book, but they primarily get it from their first look at you, mom and dad. But today I'm talking about commitment in marriage and divorce. Jesus said, furthermore, it has been said. Jesus continues this thought of lust and adultery because of the most common, uh, because of the most common Jewish outcome was divorce. He says, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Jewish law required divorce in the case of adultery. It required it. There was no grace. Today, and I believe the Lord wants us to try to work through. Work through. He wants a marriage to make it. I, he wants a marriage to make it. Now listen, sexual immorality, as it talks about here in a moment, is the only grounds by which Jesus says that you should get a divorce. I believe abuse is one too. I mean, if you're getting abused, I, you need to get out of that relationship. Now, if you come and talk to me and you say, Brother Blake, I want you to tell me to get a divorce. I'm not going to tell you to get a divorce. I'm going to tell you, let's, let's sit down and talk. Let's bring that individual in. Let's talk about it. Let's work through every single method, effort, counseling, whatever it takes to make sure a marriage makes it. Because God hates divorce. Scripture tells us in Malachi 2, 15 and 16, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Verse 16 of Malachi 2 says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. God says there in Malachi 2.16, for I hate divorce. Listen to this. God hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. God doesn't hate divorced people. God loves everybody. God desires everybody, number one, to have a reconciled, redeemed relationship with him. But God hates divorce because it breaks that bond that God has put together, that God says, let no man tear asunder. God hates that. But he does not hate the divorced person. Everybody needs to hear that. And how it is to God, God, just, God does not want that to occur. And how it is to the spouse, male or female, it says to divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. To overwhelm her with cruelty. And that's going back. Now, this is Malachi. This is still Old Testament. So when it says, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4, it says this in the New Living Translation. Suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her on her way. Now that sounds pretty wild, doesn't it? She does not please him. 
and having discovered something wrong with her. Now, I'm going to explain a little bit about this. Two Jewish Pharisees, older contemporaries of Jesus, argued this point. One guy's name was Hillel, and he permitted a man to put away his wife for any good cause. This is Old Testament thought, and he said you could put away for any good cause, which could be as minor as burning his food. Any of y'all early in your marriage <laughs> burn, burn some food? I burnt some food. I've done that. Well, goodness gracious, then, by this guy's thought, then we should have got a divorce. Ah, that stinks, right? But this other guy, Shammai, limited it to adultery. And, and this, this is where he gets that from. That's the latter part there of, of Deuteronomy 24, 1-4. through 4. He says, having discovered something wrong with her, this is not to apply a lack of intimacy, but a revelation during intimacy that defilement was not known prior to marriage. It indicates sexual impurity prior to the marriage, saying, having discovered something wrong with her. And that's the reason why a divorce was permitted. That certificate was permitted then. So I want you to understand, when, when Jesus is referencing this, whoever divorced his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce, that's what was mentioned there in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. But Jesus says to you, Jesus says to the disciples, again, remember context where we are, Jesus has gone up on the mountain, he, this is all in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He has called the disciples unto himself, and he's preaching to them. The apostles are down front, catching the brunt of it, while those that are followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, and curiosity, uh, curious people are all down around the mountainside listening to Jesus speak because people wanted to hear Jesus, and they're listening. And Jesus says, but I say to you, that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except uh, sexual immorality, which means marital unfaithfulness, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now, this is Jesus. Again, this is, he's talking to the disciples. Give them this flash effect. Divorce happened in the Old Testament. Divorce happened in the New Testament. But God didn't like it in either one. We hear that in Malachi. God doesn't like that. God doesn't want that at all. He wants us to try to work through those things. And he says that whoever divorces his wife for any reason, there is no reason to divorce except for that. That was what Jesus is saying. There's no reason to divorce except for this one reason. But I would, I would say abuse is one as well. Now, granted, I'm not God, and I didn't write the Bible. So you could take that with a grain of salt. But I feel like that if your life is in danger, you need to get out of there. God values your life. So that's, you can say, Pastor, I, I want to argue with you about that. That's fine. We can talk about that when I get out of the pulpit. But I think it's a whole lot more important for somebody to be alive and be able to live a life than for them to be, because there's so many people that are so abusive. And, and this is another thing we got to understand context of that time too. Women were not seen as human beings. They were seen as possessions. So it didn't matter about abuse. They were their possession. If you were in Sunday school this morning, what did Hosea do? Hosea went out and bought back his wife, Gomer, didn't he? Bought her back. Okay? We've got to understand context of, of then and now. We know that people are made in the image of God. 
And people need to be uh, cared for. And I, I understand what Jesus is saying here, and I'm not disagreeing at all. So don't hear me. Oh, my pastor's disagreeing with Jesus. I just believe that abuse is something that was not really taken as serious because women were seen as possessions, not as human beings then. And today we know everyone is created in the image of God. All right, that's where I'm going to stand on that. You can talk to me later if you want to. That's fine. That whoever divorces his wife for any reason except marital uh, sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. Now, that's, that's a big statement. I'm telling you, I, I, I weighed over that a good bit this week. Causes her to commit sexual adultery. Causes her, to, excuse me, to commit adultery. It's not that she has physically committed the adultery. It is that the husband has divorced her for any reason other than sexual immorality. For any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Jesus, maintain, Jesus maintains that the divorce itself creates adultery. Metaphorically, not literally. Though through infidelity to the lifelong covenantal nature of marriage. We are to work through. Work through it. Every exhaust. Every avenue of reconciliation that there can be exhausted God God does not want a husband and a wife to divorce God wants us to have a healthy relationship one with another in the marriage and listen as I said this so much of this stems from lust of the heart because we think we have found something better and in, in Sunday school today, is it, is it not so much like the story of Hosea and Gomer? In our relationship with God, we think we've, we don't realize what we've got that's good. And we always think there's something better. So we go out and we adulterate ourselves with the world. Instead of being faithful to the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, we commit adultery against him. And we go out and we look for something better. And we're promiscuous with the gods of this world. God's, God's saying this is the same thing that happens in the marital relationship. We don't need to do that. There is good in the marital relationship. The thing is, is you've got to stick with it. You've got to stick with it. Exhaust every effort. If there is issues in the relationship, exhaust every effort. God wants us to be faithful to him. But how many of us today, when we look at texts like this, oh, we think we're all fine. We think we're all good. We've never done that. Oh, we have. We have so committed adultery on the Lord. We have, we have been promiscuous with gods out there that have taken our time and taken our heart. And we've committed adultery against the Lord. And it's gone from our lust of something better, just like Eve did in the garden. That, that fruit was presented to her. God had already given them every tree of the garden. But she lusted after that one thing. She desired it. She took, gave to her husband. He ate of it too. Both their eyes were open. They, they committed adultery against God. Because they thought there was something better that God was holding back from them. I want to tell you, God has all the good wrapped up in him. 
He has all the good wrapped up in him. We must be faithful to God. And if you want to be faithful in your marriage, be faithful to God in your personal life. Because if you're holy with God, if you're pursuing righteousness in your personal life, then there's going to be a whole lot less holes to be filled with what we think is lacking because it's going to be filled with a whole lot of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He's going to fill those things. Or He's going to reveal to us we don't need those things that we think we are lacking in. But in a marital relationship as well, we think this spouse is supposed to be our Savior. This spouse is supposed to complete me. And you're setting them up for failure. And you're setting your heart up for heartbreak. But if you want your heart healed, you want your heart full, it first has to start with a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no way around it. You want a marriage that's going to last? You want a marriage that will be able to, to stand when, when lust comes into the, the temptation of lust comes into the eyes and it, and it gets on into the heart? You want to be able to stand in that? You better have Christ there as your defender. Because Satan's going to tell you, oh, it's okay. That spouse doesn't support you. That spouse doesn't trust you. That spouse is, is, is not on the same page with you in finances. That spouse doesn't want to see you succeed. The devil's going to tell you everything. Don't listen to him. You listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. And look to him. Trust him. Because the devil wants to break your family up. And he'll do it in any way he can. He, there is nothing off the table for him. But, there's, but, but we need to ask the Lord to take all those things off the table for us. The devil will throw it all out there and we say, Lord, remove this from before my vision. I don't want it. I don't want, I don't want it. Years ago, DC Talk, before they split up, they came out with a song called, I Don't Want It. And we've got to say, Lord, please, I don't want it. I don't want it. What I want is to be committed. I want to be faithful. And I want to live a life that brings honor and glory to the Lord. I want to be committed to Christ so that I may com be committed to my spouse. And we can together, by the grace of God, with, with those spots that have to be filled, that can't be filled by any other human, God can fill those spots. And you can have a bonded marriage that lasts. Commit to the Lord, and he will commit to you. I pray today, if you're struggling in any area, if you're struggling, listen, give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. The devil wants you to lust. The devil wants you to commit adultery. The devil wants you to divorce. But God says, turn to me. Look to me, the author and the finisher of your faith. Turn to him turn to him if you don't have a relationship with jesus christ today you need that i need that i've got a relationship with him but i need him more and more every day and if i don't go to him every day the devil's bringing stuff to me he ain't gonna quit his demons his temptations all those things he's gonna put them out there he wants me to fail and falter he wants me and my wife's marriage to be destroyed. Why is that? Because number one, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And he wants to say, look, God can't take care of him. I can slip in there real easy. 
And then on top of that, I'm a, I'm a father. And he wants to, the devil wants to say, look, 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 Taryn, look, Brogan, your mom and dad, they don't trust Jesus. They don't follow him. They're weak. Look how strong I am. Follow after me. Follow after me. That's what the devil wants. And then on top of that, I'm your pastor. And he's, the Bible says if you strike this, you know, we're talking about Jesus. Now, I'm not Jesus, so understand that, okay? Not to take this out of context. They said if you strike the, sh- the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Now, listen, I'm a sheep too, okay? But I'm the under-shepherd to Jesus. And if y'all see me and my wife's marriage fall apart, you know what's going to happen to this church? In a lot of cases, people are going to question the power of God. They're going to question the goodness of God. And many will scatter. So what do I got to do? Number one, I got to have my relationship right with Jesus. Don't blame your spouse until you looked in the mirror or you looked in the Bible. Don't blame your spouse for something that only Christ could fix in your own heart. Your spouse ain't Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Jesus God is God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Let them do the work that they need to do in your life. Pray for them. Pray for God to do the work he needs to do in your spouse's life. And if you're both praying and you're talking to the same God, he's going to work things out. I believe he will. And I pray he's doing that in your marriage and in your family, in your life today.